Chapter Seventeen of Serapion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Serapion by Francis Stevens. Chapter Seventeen. Bound by the Dead. I was not called before the jury until after the noon recess, which gave me time to think things over a bit more. At the inquest, I had not actually heard Sabina's testimony, though Marks, who interviewed her, as well as her mistress, had warned me that she would prove a difficult antagonist. I had not fully believed him. Negroes in the average run are diffuse in their statements and easily muddled into self-contradiction. Sabina might prove so under cross-examination, but I doubted it now. She had wasted hardly a word that morning, and there was only one point on which I was sure that she could be shaken. The difference in height between slayer and slain was a strong point for the prosecution. Even through thin black curtains, it would indeed have been hard to confuse a tall silhouette with a short one, but no one had thought to question the identity of the tall silhouette. Though Sabina may have known better during the minutes that she stood staring through the curtains, her after and more vivid sight of Burquist, with hands dropping blood, and his almost instant claim of the crime as his own, had served to make the tall man Burquist in all her memories. Burquist, the self-confessed, I had no faith in Orlo. Had Marks not dropped out, I should have been content to let the trial take its course, sure that his genius would somehow save the day and free my friend. But under Orlo's handling, with that craggy, sullen, assured black woman, to swear that Moore was not, and could not, have been the aggressor, since he stood with his left side to the table, grasping the tall silhouette with his right hand and a man under impulse of passion is not likely to reach for a weapon with his left i was morally certain that burquist would lose out but what if rising on the stand instead of a second perjury i told the simple truth not that portion of it which included the superhuman but just the fact that i and not burquist had been swept by one of those sudden fits of red anger that have made murderers of many before me. Why, Sabina herself would support my words once spoken. There was a little unnoticed twist in her testimony, a point where the voice of Burquist, coming from beyond the table, became the voice of the tall man standing on her side of the lamp. The instant that I spoke, she would know. Her memories unconsciously readjusted to fit facts, as she had afterward learned them, would be straight again. Burquist's hidden heroism would stand revealed, and I, though I died, I would at least die clean. Resolve crystallized suddenly within me. When Clemens called me to the stand, I would go, not to testify, but to confess. I walked to the little raised platform with the chair where the others had sat below the double tier of jurymen i mounted it 
somebody put a rusty black book under my hand and mumbled through a slurred rigmarole to which my low acquiescence was a prelude to ruin for me i sat down in the chair beyond the rail was a packed level of faces they were all pale and dreary-looking it seemed to me though that may have been an effect of light for the day was grey and dreary i had returned to court through falling snow it was a wet late springfall of clinging flakes and all the way i had been haunted by a memory of the dead alive house as i had seen it that night not the interior not even the library with its master a grim grey and scarlet horror on the floor but the house itself desolate under its white burden with the great flakes swirling down hiding deeper and more deep the line of division between the living half and the dead berquist was sitting by a table with orlo beside him i had visited him in prison of course and talked with him a few moments just before the trial opened his determination and courage had never swerved nor his conviction that we had only to keep steady and win now i saw his eyes as a dark and valiant glory fixed on me their message only hardened my resolve that man to play the martyr for my sake never orlo left nils and took his stand conveniently near he was there to protect me from irrelevant questions but he looked quite out of place clearly the mantle of halidor marks did not rest easily on his shoulders the district attorney a thin scholarly person whom i instinctively disliked began his inquisition your name please age and occupation barber clayton s barber i corrected myself i am just a moment your full name for the record please mr barber clemens who would reserve any attempt to rattle me for my appearance in the rebuttal was politeness itself clayton serapian barber i forced out then i cursed myself for not having substituted samuel or left out the initial there's power in a name once i would have laughed at that statement but not now not with my recent memories and as god is my witness i sat there and saw the district attorney's hatchet face change blend grow smoot and loathsomely pleasant clemens continued his interrogations but i spoke to another than he when i answered them the living bound by the dead End of chapter 17 Recording by John Brandon